Hello, ladies and gents. Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and today I have special guest Brad Lowry on the line. He is the man, the myth, the legend behind Elevated Athletes. He is also a good friend of mine. He is a hunter. He's a guide. He's based out of Wyoming. He does a bunch of mule deer hunting, a bunch of elk hunting. So we dive all into the realm and world of hunting. We talk about bow hunting. We talk about rifle hunting. We talk about it all. And he's building out this Elevated Athlete brand to help bring more awareness to the sport, uh, to help with the conservation aspect, to bring youth involvement into the sport. I'm just super impressed with what he's got going on. I'm super proud to be his friend, and I'm super excited to talk about hunting. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation with Brett. We are live. Brad, how are you, brother? Good, man. How you doing, Robert? I am doing wonderfully well, man. It is almost, almost hunting season. Can you feel it? Oh, I, yeah, I've been I've been feeling it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Getting the itch. Kind of kind of what I live for, man. So, what, when does your season open there? Um, actually our uh archery antelope season starts tomorrow. Oh, so, man. Yeah, or on 15th, I think that's tomorrow, but yeah, I got to work so I won't be able to go out, but uh yeah, we uh we start antelope season for archery August 15th and then September 1st archery for uh for mule deer and, and elk starts, so very nice, very nice. Well, shoot, man, I want to kind of, like, you and I have talked on the phone several times. Um, I feel like we've already done a podcast before because I've talked to him on the phone so many times, but kind of give the audience some some backstory, man. Like, who are you? Uh, you're you a big hunter, obviously. You're a guide, but you've also been doing the ketogenic diet for a while. So just kind of give me some backstory. Kind of tell us to what got you into hunting in the first place, man. Let's just rewind all the way back to the beginning. Well, um, yeah, my name uh, is Brad Lowry. I, uh, you know, I grew up in in Wyoming and uh, grew up, you know, in a rural ranch community in uh, southeast Wyoming. Um, basically, hunting's been a part of my life since I can ever remember. Um, my family are all been uh, big hunters. My dad, you know, definitely was, uh, you know, still is a, a big hunter. Um, so from an early age, I've always had a a passion for it. You know, just. Uh, you know, waking up early and, you know, and going out a couple hours before the sun comes up and, you know, to the middle of nowhere. And, and, and just, uh, I think just spending that time with my dad was, you know, just as important as, is what we were actually doing out there. But, you know, as I, as I got older and, um, you know, I think my, I mean, I still have that connection with, with my kids and stuff as well with the outdoors, but I think, you know, for me, you know, hunting's kind of turned into, uh, you know, a way of um, supplying my my family with, uh, you know, nutritious food and, um, you know, just basically, uh, you know, the way that we can, that we can eat, you know, uh, nutrient-dense meat that um, is harvested ourselves. We do all our own processing. You know, it's kind of turned into into that, but you know that passion for the outdoors and that connection with nature is 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 very important to me as well. So, hundred percent, man. I feel like, you know, I think back on some of my first and fondest hunting memories, and they were all, like you said, just moments of bonding with my dad. And I feel like very few people. I don't know. It's, it's weird because I feel like we live in this era where hunting has become very cool due to social media and in some circles, some circles, it's not cool at all, but I feel like, you know, social media and like Joe Rogan talks about it, you know, you've got like some really popular YouTube channels and whatnot. That's all about hunting. So people are seeing it and it's like becoming this, you know, cool thing. But I feel like it's, it's kind of like a workaround. Cause I, 
I got introduced to it from my my parents, my dad, you know, specifically. And like that was long before social media. That's just what I learned. That's kind of what I grew up doing. And that like laid the foundation. So not to say that you can't get into it without being brought up in it, but having those those memories with your father, I mean, that's that's hard to that's hard to beat, man. You can't put a price on that. Yeah, I agree. And um, you know, to me it's 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 like you said, you know, I mean in the you know, over the last thirty years how much hunting's changed as, you know, as a persona, I guess, you know, as a as a kid and, and growing up, it was just you know, that connection with the outdoors, that connection, you know, with, with your family and the hunting trips and, you know, and now there's, you know, you're, you're starting to get into the brands and the, you know, the clothing, the just the whole persona behind it has, has changed, you know, pretty dramatically over that 30 years. And, you know, not, not that it's a bad thing. It's just, it's just different. And uh, it's, it's a very dynamic, you know, thing, I guess, as far as, you know, the image of hunting and things like that. And, you know, I think it's easy to, I guess it's important for me to, you know, to still kind of go back to those roots and, you know, and understand, uh, you know, what hunting is to me is, you know, is not just looking cool and putting up some grip and, you know, uh, yeah. you know kill photos and things like that, you know, to, to, to get some Instagram followers or something like that. It's just, you know, it's more of a, just like I said, that connection to the outdoors, that connection to family. And uh, I think, you know, just as human beings, I think that we need that, you know, just internally, you know what I mean? Just, connecting you know with the outdoors being alone out there and and not having you know some kind of a you know screen in front of us or you know or just even with our kids you know so 100% man I feel like there's like this primitive you know itch that can only be scratched when you remove all the social media when you remove all the screens when you remove the internet connection and you just get out and you go where nobody else is no distractions are and the only thing you can hear and see and smell and taste is like the pristine beauty of the world around you. And I feel like there's fewer and fewer opportunities to do that. So when you do do it, you just cherish it all that much, all that more. But I don't know, man, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, there's, for me, it's uh, definitely a reset every year, you know, spending the, I mean, I spend about three months pretty solid in the mountains uh every year and and it's a total reset for me you know just physically emotionally um just mentally i mean everything and uh it just to me there's nothing better to to kind of flush your flush your soul of uh all those impurities you know and, and things that you just everyday life bring on us you know so yeah and not only that but it's like freaking it's a hardcore sport man like especially in the mountains if you're doing you know spot and stock hunting and you're like out there and you're trying to you know locate an animal and stalk that animal and you're going over mountainous terrain and you harvest that animal if you're lucky and then you have to backpack that thing out like that is not a trivial task at all no it's it's uh it's definitely not easy and um you know and that's kind of where you know my uh i guess my business of elevated athletes was kind of born um I'm a pretty diehard backcountry, you know, high country guy. Uh, most of the places that I hunt are, you know, 10,000 feet above altitude, um, up to, you know, 12, 13,000 feet. And uh, it's very unforgiving terrain. And, uh, you know, these animals are smart and they're, you know, that's where they live. And, and to be able to, I guess, compete with them in that arena, you uh, you definitely have your work cut out for you. So, um, you know, it's important to me 
to, you know, just obviously stay, you know, physically, uh, ready for the, you know, those terrains and, and that atmosphere. And, um, uh, I mean, just for example, last year on a, um, you know, an elk hunt that I, that I went on, I mean, I think over, uh, was it a 10 day period? I did like 28,000 and some change of elevation change. Um, and probably did, you know, I think it was like 41 miles total on my feet with a pack, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's crazy, man. And like it's funny. Then you, you know, then you pack an elk out, you know, three, yeah. four five, six miles, you know, and four trips. So it, it, it's definitely taxing, but, um, you know, I, I try to teach more people to do it all the time. So <laughs> I feel like, uh, like here in Arkansas, there's not really any elevation and the, the vast majority of deer hunting that's pretty much what we hunt here is deer and it's all pretty much done from a deer stand because it's just the best and most effective way to hunt in arkansas and that's just how i grew up hunting was just you know locating a trail finding the deer and then you know building out a spot if you have food plots etc etc but like just it was a patience game just a pure patience game like i would go out there before sunrise and i would sit on a deer stand for 12 hours at a time, not moving a muscle and just waiting. And that, that was hard in its own regard for sure. I mean, sitting in a deer stand for 12 hours is not an easy task either, but being out there and like doing mountainous hunting is a whole nother ball game, man. Like you gotta be in like tip top physical condition to be able to be competitive out there. And like, you're not gonna be able to be an effective hunter if you are not physically capable. And I feel like that adds a whole nother veil of just you know excitement for me as an athlete because it's like you can't just you know eat like crap all year round and not train and then expect to be a productive hunter you got to put in work year round so that when you know it's time to hunt that that's how the that's that's where you put the training into practice you know like that that's where the reward comes in yeah absolutely i mean i mean you know don't get me wrong there's you know there's guys that they go up and hunt in, you know, some of the same areas that I do. And, you know, they, they cruise around on ATVs and, uh, cruise around in trucks and, you know, they don't, they're not in shape at all. And, you know, every once in a while, those guys are, you know, successful and that, and, uh, you know, that happens, but to me, it's about consistency. And, um, you know, like I was, you know, going back my, my family, we don't, we don't buy meat at the store. I mean, mm -hmm. we literally do not buy one ounce of meat from, from anywhere you know we everything that we eat is uh you know is something that we uh, harvested ourselves and processed ourselves and you know to so to be able to produce that consistency that basically my family relies on um you know it's definitely uh you you have to have that consistency in the gym and, and with your nutrition as well to you know to to get back there five six miles you know sometimes and and, and spend that time back there hundred percent, man. So, so let's talk about nutrition for a little bit. Cause you've been, I mean, I guess kind of by default, you're eating high quality meat just simply because that's the meat that you have at your, you know, disposal, the stuff you kill, which is a higher quality meat than what you're going to get in a grocery store. But you've pretty much cut out all the other things too. You're, you're pretty much just, and have been for past several whiles now, just hardcore keto. Yeah, I've been, um, I've been keto going on in about seven years now. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and that's, I guess there's been a, a lot of variations of, of keto, I guess, uh, you know, in that time frame for me, um, you know, I kind of got started, uh, actually my, I'm a firefighter full time and, uh, EMT for the city I live in. And, and, uh, one of my division chiefs, um, actually had a, 
a book that he let me read and it was called uh, eat bacon don't jog and i think it was written by uh grant peterson i believe mm-hmm. but uh that was kind of my introduction to just keto or even you know even finding anything you know about keto out you know that long ago and and it kind of intrigued me just uh due to the fact that you know my family uh you know kind of has a you know some heart history and you know just some blood pressure issues and diabetes and stuff like that and uh you know just getting into my you know i'm 39 now so you know i was 32 back then you know i'm starting to think about some of those things just for longevity of life i guess and and so I kind of started uh, dabbling into the keto uh, at that time frame. And I just, well, I say dabble, but I kind of went in full-fledged, um, you know, did the, I wasn't sold on it by any means. And, um, I, you know, so I did did uh, some blood work and everything beforehand. And, and I gave it a 100%, no cheating, you know, five months. And, and uh, when I went back and got my blood work done and just got those labs and, you know, and just obviously the way I felt and, uh, the way that I, you know, that I guess my composition changed everything about it was, it just blew me away and it, it blew my doctor away. You know, he, not that I was super unhealthy when I started, but you know, I was starting to get a little bit hypertensive. I was starting to, you know, some, my triglycerides were, you know, a little bit elevated and, um, just out of whack, not nothing crazy, but just, you know, small concerns. And, and then five months later, I'm just, all of a sudden just some kind of a pinnacle of health, you know, and my doctor couldn't believe that I made those kind of changes in that short time, time frame. And, you know, and honestly, I didn't have any negative side effects from, from eating that way. And, and I found it, you know, actually very easy to, to eat keto. Um, so at that point I was kind of, you know, definitely hooked on, on the keto lifestyle and, and just throughout the, you know, the last seven years I've, you know, definitely, uh, you know, obviously been following you. I've, I've dove into a, you know, a lot of different, um, influencers and, and, you know, uh, I guess, uh, you know, influencers and, and is just people that are, uh, you know, kind of doing all the studies and, and I just, I read a lot of those and, and kind of, you know, form my own opinion and try different things. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of one of those guys where I, uh, I just, I don't believe anything until I do it. So I kind of use my body as a test tube and I'll try different variations of keto for two or three months at a time just to get a decent amount of data and, and, uh, you know, then move on and, and kind of dialed in what works for my body type and, and, uh, for my lifestyle and, and what I want to achieve. And, and, uh, you know, I, and I still switch it up once in a while is, you know, just to, I guess, just to have that variation, but, uh, still stay strict keto and um you know i just yeah i mean i regardless of my my variation i'm i'm uh never out of ketosis so <laughs> yeah there's like it's, it's kind of crazy man there's like a million variations of keto now whereas you know when i first got into it, it was like keto is keto you know and there's like a million different versions of it but like yeah what are some of the the main variations you played around with and what have you found to be the best for you um i'd say what i've kind of dialed in on is you know is uh I'd say I'm probably more of a carnivore keto than anything mm-hmm. um, at this point. And, uh, and I guess what, you know, what works for me is, you know, is, uh, you know, kind of from some inflammation standpoints, I've, you know, I really like the carnivore side of things just because I feel like um, that really controls my inflammation. I've been an athlete my whole life, played sports my whole life. So, you know, obviously that comes along with old injuries and things like that. And, uh, you know, obviously you're, 
ability to to work out at 40 you're going to feel those injuries and and you know by eating a carnivore um keto lifestyle i guess um i've just really been able to control inflammation in my joints and and you know really get get rid of a lot of that um that pain that comes with you know deadlifts and my knees and and just a lot of those different things that just little quirks here and there but i uh yeah definitely the inflammation thing but uh i've also played around with uh I guess when I say, if you know, just to, I don't know, kind of pinpoint that a little bit when I say, you know, 90% carnivore, um, you know, I just, I, I eat mostly meat, um, eggs. I try to not eat a ton of dairy. I just, you know, I put cream in my coffee every morning and um, I eat keto bricks every single day uh, just because, you know, it's just an easy way for me to, uh, you know, get a lot of those fat sources that I need and, and, you know, I'm just on the go all the time, you know, being a fireman, being in the mountains, um, just the convenience of the keto brick and just the, you know, the, I guess the, the nutrient base of it just really fits into the, the macros that I, you know, have kind of adapted. Well, you're eating a lot of but, elk, which is pretty, pretty lean, right? Elk's, elk's about as lean as, I guess it's probably a little bit fattier than venison, right? No, I, I would say it's, yeah, pretty probably close. just as lean as venison. Yeah. I mean, as far as elk goes, you know, really with any wild game, um, you know, you really want when you're processing that meat, you really want to kind of get rid of as much fat as you can. That's from the animal, just because that's where you're going to get like your, your game, you're tasting, you know, uh, end product, I guess. And so if I do, you know, when I process elk and deer and antelope and everything, uh, I, uh, I usually use, um, either beef fat or pork fat to mix in with my grind. Um, and then that, that gives me a way to control, you know, that exact percentage, you know, in my burger and things like that to where, you know, um, when I pull out a pound of elk burger, I know it's exactly 2080, um, you know, and cause I built it that way because, you know, it fits my macros that way. So totally. Where do you get all the, like the, the fat from? You just have like a local butcher or something? Yeah, I've, I've used, uh, yeah, local butchers and, uh, here lately, actually. So just a couple months ago, we, uh, with the whole COVID pandemic, there was some, uh, some farms local to us that, uh, or some pig farms that were actually, um, not able to, you know, sell, sell their pigs to the, you know, the big, uh, producers and things like that because of the COVID shutdowns and stuff like that. So they had just tons of livestock that they couldn't get rid of. So we actually, bought like six feeder hogs that were you know 300 you know 300 315 pounds a piece and uh i've got a big walk-in cooler at my house so we actually just processed the um all our own pigs this year and then i saved a lot of the trimmings and you know fat trimmings and stuff from that to be able to grind into um in my game meat here this fall so Man, that's crazy. You got a walking cooler full of meat. I got a walking cooler full of bricks. This COVID shuts us down and we're just going to relay. <laughs> we're going to link up and we're going to hunt and we're just going to survive with the food right. we got. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think. But I it's kind of uh, funny because. Uh, no, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, what we said. I was just saying this, uh, this last couple of years, you know, a lot of the butcher shops, it's been a lot harder to come by, you know, suet and stuff like that because I know they've, uh, they've cracked down on some of the USDA inspections on mm-hmm. fat and. And, you know, the process of doing that is, is not cost effective for these butchers and, you know, as a business model. And so they, a lot of them just don't carry it anymore because of the stringent, um, I guess, inspection process with it. It just doesn't, 
makes sense for them to to keep it you know so it's it's a lot harder to come by in that sense anymore so that's kind of why we've yeah switched to doing a little bit more processing and keeping some of that stuff so i love it man i feel like you know we, we process all the venison that we get too and i think that that just like makes the the whole process come full circle you know like when you go out there you kill the animal you bring it back you butcher it you quarter it you clean it you process it then you cook it and eat it it's like i mean that that's it doesn't get any better than that i mean that's like you have your hand in every single thing and i feel like one not necessarily in all facets of keto but one popular aspect of keto is like really putting an importance on knowing where your food comes from and that is as as close to knowing where your, where your food comes from as it gets yeah, that's, that's how I look at it. And, you know, and, and, you know, even though I'm keto and mostly carnivore, I mean, I'm still a foodie, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, I, when I'm processing animals, I, uh, you know, I, I do, you know, I do brats, I do sausage, you know, breakfast sausage, I do, you know, make my own summer sausages and game sticks and salami. And I mean, you name it, you know, you can, that you can make a out of meat. I mean, I, I do it and, you know, and I do it all myself and there's, it's fun to do too. I mean, just to play with different recipes and get stuff dialed in and, and, uh, you know, just have good food to eat throughout the year, have that variation as well. Shoot you, man. How would you, uh, compare the taste of like just venison versus that of elk? I mean, my, my buddy got, there's, we have like this, I don't know what's going on with Game of Fish, but they re- they introduced elk to Arkansas, specifically Northwest Arkansas, and they've got like 30 tags a year, and my buddy got lucky enough to get one of them last year, so he's got all this elk, and it tastes amazing, um, but he hadn't given me any of it yet, so I don't really know how it tastes, but how would you compare the two? Um, I would say comparison to deer, um, and, and, and our deer probably taste a lot different than your deer down in Arkansas, because you guys, you know, you guys are eating you know, food plots and, and, you know, uh, kind of that ag land, mm-hmm. you know, grass type stuff where, you know, our deer up here, you know, live sagebrush in, in the stuff. sagebrush and, and, you know, like where I hunt, they're eating, you know, high alpine grass and things like that. So there's, there's a lot of variation, but, uh, I would say, you know, on average, you know, you're going to have a little bit more of a game year taste from most deer than, uh, than you will from elk, because I mean, elk are, you know, basically on a, on a grass fed diet, you know, and yeah. you just got a lot less of that gaminess to it, you know. You just get so much more meat with elk too. I mean, it's just a whole nother, I mean, it's a lot more food for the kill. Yeah. I mean, your average, I'd say, uh, you know, the way, I mean, the way that I hunt, you know, I hunt so far back in that I have to basically debone and uh, carry out quarters and that type of stuff. So, you know, you can't just bring an entire elk carcass out, you know, so you spend a lot of time, you know, uh, kind of processing in the field and, and protecting that meat and putting it in game bags. And, and I'd say when it's all said and done, you know, it'd probably average, um, you know, probably I'd say 275, um, as far as pounds of meat that you're going to get from that animal, you know? So, yeah, it's crazy, man. A lot more than you're getting from a deer. Yeah, absolutely. And Arkansas deer, for whatever reason, are just super small anyway. So I just got to go up to Northwest if I want some big, you know, big game animals to be hunting. Yeah, well, we're gonna we're gonna go hunt some uh, some big muleys in Nebraska this year, right? So hundred percent, man. I'm ready for it. Are looking you, forward to it. So. Are you doing mo- mostly like uh, bow hunting? Or are you going mostly with the, the rifle? Um, I'm I'm primarily an ar- primarily an uh, archery guy. Um, it's, it's nice in Wyoming because, um, 
you know, we have, you know, once you have a, say you have an elk tag, um, you can hunt that, that elk, uh, with a bull, you know, the entire month of September. And mm-hmm. then if you're not successful with a bull, then you can switch over to rifle and, you know, you still, you don't have to buy another tag or anything like that. So, nice. um, we kind of get the best of both worlds, but, uh, I definitely, um, I hunt, you know, I hunt all of bow season. I pretty much take, um, the whole month of September off most years and, and hunt that entire time. And I, uh, but there are years that, you know, that I don't necessarily get one, uh, in the archery season. And then when it comes to rifle season, I, uh, um, I've always filled my tag. So I have a pretty good streak going right now. I'm, uh, uh, in the last, since 2007, I've got 17 elk. I have filled every tag that I've, I've got since 2007. <laughs> so, wow, man. That's but, why, you, that's why you gotta have a walk-in freezer, right? That's right. Well, just, yeah, we usually kill because my wife hunts as well. Um, so we usually kill um, a minimum of two elk every year. Sometimes uh, we get an extra tag uh, for a cow and, and, and end up getting three. It just depends on, you know, what our freezer looks like at that time and, you know, basically what we need to sustain the rest of the year. So very nice. I feel like, you know, bow hunting, like, I pretty much grew up hunting with a rifle. That's just what I'm familiar with. But like with a rifle, it's I mean it's still hard, it's still a challenge, but it's like a whole other whole other sport when you go the bow hunting route cuz it's just I mean you have to practice. Like you can I mean I I can not shoot my rifle all year round and then open a day, you know, do a couple test shots and be right on the money. But like with a with a bow, if you're not practicing that thing on a pretty regular basis, then you're just not going to be doing the animal justice by putting a well-placed shot on them. Yeah, I mean, you're spot on. I mean, it's it's no different than, you know, going to the gym and doing deadlifts. It's like, you know, you uh, you know, you're not gonna not deadlift for a year and then go in there and and put your you know ninety percent of your max on there and start pounding away. It's like, you know, you got to create that muscle memory with you know in the gym just like you do with a bow and uh, you know to be accurate and be consistent. Where, you know, I. I, uh, I shoot year round. I've got an archery range at my house that goes out to like 60 yards and, um, a bunch of 3d targets, but, uh, yeah, it's starting usually about uh, March or April, whenever the, you know, weather gets above zero. I, <laughs> I usually start shooting a lot and then starting June, I shoot a hundred, hundred arrows five days a week. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I just shot a hundred arrows about two hours ago this morning. So <laughs> It's like therapy, man. I, I look forward to it. I, I've been shooting every day now, and I'll go out there and I'll, I'll sling some arrows. Usually while the grill's getting warmed up, i got a ribbon on the grill. I'll go out and shoot some arrows, and, like, that is, like, just the perfect cap to a day. Go for a workout, go for a run, grill a steak, shoot the bow. Like, it doesn't get any better than that. Yep. Yeah, and this time of year, I really start combining a lot of my workouts into my shooting as well. So, you know, I'll set up, uh, you know, a 24-inch box and sandbags and things like that. And uh, and I'll go through sequences with my bow, um, shooting 50 yards, you know, while I'm at max heart rate doing hit exercises, you know. And uh, to me, there's no way to really simulate, you know, a, a big bull elk standing 10 yards from you screaming, you know, how your heart rate's going to react to as, you know, like hit training, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. So that's, so that's what kind of, yeah, that's what kind of makes it more a sport than just sitting on a deer stand all day long too. I mean, you know, if you're hiking all day, you got to pack on and your you know, heart rate's elevated, you, you got to be like on, on the money. I mean, you got to be prepared for that. You got to train for that. You know, anything that you have to, that you're pursuing that you have to actually train for and put in the work. 
that's where I get respect for that thing. And with bow hunting, like you can't half-ass bow hunting. You gotta you gotta go in and gotta go in hard and consistently. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And it's you know, for me, that's I think that's my passion with archery is you know is uh you know I I mean I've shot my whole life. I was you know I was on the army shooting team for four years. Um, you know, shooting long range and you know I I shoot a lot of you know, long range for sport and things like that. And it's just to me, you know, in a hunting scenario, um, you know, I have so much respect for those animals that I hunt and, uh, you know, going in there with a bow, you know, it kind of evens that playing field and, uh, you know, it just, it just allows you to connect to that animal a lot more. I mean, they're giving up their life to feed my family. And, you know, so I guess, you know, for me to give them that respect and, and, you know, train my butt off to, to make sure that, you know, I guess I'm giving that, that respect to them, but it's just, yeah, you just don't get that, that, uh, you know, the same thing, you know, hunting with a rifle in my, in my opinion, I guess. So. Yeah, I totally agree, man. I feel like, you know, there's, there's a lot of vegan haters of hunting and I feel like they just don't know what real hunting is. Cause if they realized how much work you're putting in and doing it also to pay the respect to the animal, I mean, you don't have to hunt with a bow, um, it makes a lot more sense to hunt with a rifle if you're just going after the meat, but being able to put in that work to hunt with a bow, that's like, that's kind of more so a challenge for us as individuals, but also like a respect thing for the animal. And I feel like when you, when you take it to that extreme then no one's got any right to knock you for the decision to go hunting. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. You know, it's just, there's always going to be people that, you know, that don't understand, you know, that, that lifestyle and, and, you know, that you know, why we hunt and, and things like that. But, you know, for me, it's, you know, it's not about going out and killing something and, and putting a picture up on the wall. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I mean, I probably have more respect for the animals that I hunt than, you know, most people on this planet do. And, you know, I work year round, you know, in conservation, you know, for the lands that we use for the, the animals that we hunt, um, you know, work with a lot of organizations as far as, you know, keeping these herds healthy. And, and, you know, a lot of people just don't realize that, you know, that hunters are, are nine, you know, 90% of the funds that go into, you know, keeping public lands open, national parks, you know, all these, you know, outdoor places that we can enjoy. I mean, that stuff comes from, money from hunting tags and hunters are make up about 90 percent of most con of, of all conservation efforts when it comes to you know the public lands and the the animals on them yeah 100 percent, man i feel like that that message needs to be just just on repeat because you know there, there's like my dad's a biologist and this is kind of how i grew up thinking of you know conservation biology herd management animal uh, prosperity, you know, and I feel like when you, when you look at hunting through that lens, you can't help but respect the act of hunting more and the people behind it more because, I mean, there, there are definitely some, some bad hunters out there that, that, you know, tarnish what it stands for. Like there's the people that, the rednecks, you know, that just drink beer and shoot deer from the roadside. I mean, and then leave them there. Like that, that's not the people that I want to be associated with, but hunters that, take pride in what they're doing and do so for the betterment of the, the animal population. I mean, why would you not want to support that? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's every, you know, no matter what, you know, aspect of life you're part of, there's always going to be bad apples and there's, you know, there's always people that give, you know, hunting a bad name and, um, you know, but if, you know, if you're out there for the, 
you know, one thing that I've really appreciated over the last, you know, 10 years or so that I've, you know, with the social media and hunting and things like that, that, uh, you know, the, the push towards conservation and, you know, just some big names and, and some, uh, you know, celebrities, if you will, in the hunting world that are, you know, really pushing a lot of these, uh, you know, mule deer foundation and, you know, Rocky mountain elk foundation, you know, all these con- conservation groups that, that are just detrimental to, you know, to keep these animals alive. I mean, and, and the push for that's been a lot, uh, a lot better with, you know, social media and, you know, some of these, uh, you know, YouTube channels and different things that, you know, people watch and, and, you know, where there's a lot of followers and a lot of, uh, attention it's just it's being geared a lot more towards conservation than than i've ever seen which which is amazing to me so yeah i think i think that's one massive positive that's come out of social and with regard to conservation hunting it's just these these people have been there but they've got a much more amplified voice now through social media which is a huge plus yeah and it's it's kind of uh you know that's one thing you know with my company is you know is i guess one of my uh you know one of my big goals is 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 definitely conservation and and for me you know what that looks like is you know is getting people involved that you know that aren't necessarily that you know uh i guess that you wouldn't look at as a hunter you know i mean i I think that's where a lot of people fail as far as i mean there's a huge decline um in hunters right now i mean i think that there's the decline is I think 50% over the last 50 years, um, you know, I'd say a third of all your, of all your hunters are baby boomers. Um, and it's funny because, you know, those guys are all aging out. Um, 90% of hunters are Caucasian and 70% of those are male, you know? So I think, um, you know, one thing that I try to concentrate on as far as, you know, the way I look at conservation is, is getting people into the, you know, into that lifestyle, into that sport. And, you know, and the way that I look at it is, is, uh, you gotta try to focus on people that, you know, don't necessarily have, you know, families that hunt and, you know, have never been around it. Cause you know, that's the people that we need to be recruiting. And, you know, that's the people that we need to be educating on how to, on how to do this stuff because, you know, the, the everyday, uh, you know, hunters, you know, that grew up around it, they're, uh, they're already part of it. You know, they don't need to be recruited into the, into the realm of conservation, I guess, you know, what, what do you think the best way of going about that is you think just, I mean, like, how do you, how do you go about it? What's, what's, the, what's the best way to get that ball rolling? Well, I think, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it's tough. It's tough where I live because, you know, I live in the Rocky mountains. Um, and we don't see that decline in hunters every year because I think you get, you know, a huge number of, you know, people from coming out, you know, from East and, um, just, you know, some of these States kind of like where you live, where, you know, there's just not a lot of public land and there's not a lot of opportunity and people are, you know, whether it's instructional videos or YouTube videos or, you know, just all these things on social media. I think people that, you know, primarily live in the the Eastern populated States are a little bit more comfortable coming out and, and going out on their own in the mountains and, and, and trying to hunt, you know, some of these animals um, just from a comfort level. But, you know, the, I guess the point I'm trying to make is, is that, 
you know, we, we don't see that decline in hunters here because we're actually seeing more hunters than I ever remember as a kid mm-hmm. because we have more people coming to the mountains and we, you know, you see a lot more people there. So it's hard to sell, um, you know, that there's a decline in my area and it's hard to sell that, you know, Hey, we need to recruit hunters because, you know, just, just, uh, for future conservation efforts. And, uh, just because we're, people don't see that around here, but, uh, the way I look at it is, you know, like I was saying before, if, you know, um, we, we focus a lot with elevated athletes, we focus a lot on, on youth and, uh, you know, trying to get youth involved in the outdoors, you know, whether that's just getting them out, you know, biking or fishing or, you know, anything outdoor related, uh, you know, to kind of give them that jump start into, into nature, I guess, and, and having a love for, for nature. But, um, even with youth, you know, it's, we, we try to focus on, uh, we're actually going to be giving away a couple hunts, um, next year. Um, and, uh, some, you know, really awesome hunts for, for a couple of kids. And we're actually trying to focus our attention on, um, you know, maybe like an essay style, uh, contest and, you know, pick a kid that just, doesn't have that opportunity you know um it doesn't have a hunting family he doesn't have you know people around him that can take him hunting or or her you know and uh that's what we're really trying to focus on and i think as hunters you know whether it's out here or arkansas or wherever it may be it's um i think there's a lot of people that want to go hunting uh you know they're just for different purposes you know um yeah you know, a, a hipster, there's lots of hipsters out there that, that want to go hunting because, you know, they want, uh, you know, the, the local sustainable, you know, ecologically conscious meat, you know, for nutrition and things like that. Um, but they don't want the, the image of, you know, the hunter that, you know, grew up in Wyoming in a hunting family, you know, and wears camo everywhere, you know? Yeah. So it's, trying to i guess relate to you know to different people out there that you know that want to hunt for different reasons um is something i i feel like you know should be pinpointed a little bit more so 100 percent, man i feel like i like me personally i feel very compelled to to figure out how to move this this movement forward i mean i'm i'm blessed in the sense that i've got a, a massive family farm that's been with my family for five generations now and it's in southwest arkansas there's a little cabin right on the river and i mean a lot of land a lot of a lot of great hunting land and i look at you know i've I've had the opportunity to take several of my friends down there i've had like danny vega you know i took him down there that's where he killed he killed his first deer which was honestly one of my my fondest memories like it was so cool to see him have that experience you know with me right there beside him like i taught him how to shoot the rifle he put a well-placed shot on the deer he dropped instantly i I showed danny how to you know process that deer how to cook that deer and like he was just totally awestruck like the whole time because it was all the things that he'd wanted to do but had never had never had the opportunity to do and to see it all come to fruition you know right there in front of me it was just it was a very powerful moment and he didn't take it for granted and i didn't take it for granted but I, I look at the fact that I have this this farm, you know, at my my fingertips, and I look at the audience that I'm, you know, tapping into within the keto space, and I mean, we all in the keto space want to prioritize the the quality of our meat. We want to prioritize where we get that meat. Um, so I, I feel called to just use that audience and the reach I have as an influencer, and leverage the opportunity I have with the farm. And I fi- I don't know how to make that happen yet, but 
I'm just gonna have to like start doing guided savage hunts or something. I don't know, but I I think that that's in the future for sure. Yeah, and I mean, you know, honestly, I mean, I listen to your podcasts all the time, and you know, and I hear, you know, about you know a few people on your podcast, you know, going out and you know going to your farm and and hunting and different things, and 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 that's what it's all about. Um, you know, I mean, Danny's a perfect example. I mean. You know, because, you know, Danny's from Florida, you know, he lives in an urban area. He's probably never been around that, you know, type of thing. And, um, but, you know, we all know he's, you know, he's very uh, adamant about, you know, uh, maybe not being a complete local bore, I guess, but, you know, probably wanting to know where his food comes from and, you know, and eating healthy meat. And, and you know, you took him out there and introduced him to that. And, and I'm sure he's probably hooked for life now, you know. And, yeah. And I'm sure it didn't matter to him whatsoever if, you know, if he shot a deer with, with big antlers or, you know, some kind of trophy or anything like that. But no, he I, shot a little yeah, button bug, man. It, yeah, a little yeah, baby button bug. He, uh, he, you know, the meat portion of that hunt is, is everything to him, though, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that, that's what, like, people get so hung up on, like, the, the size of the, the, the rack, the antlers, the horns. It's like, that's not even what it's about. I mean, you obviously want to make sure you're – you're culling out the herd from like a standpoint of letting the, the growth happen, letting the young immature deer grow if possible. But I mean, like you don't want to make that the, the obsession. That's not the priority. Like hunt for meat, hunt to maintain proper, you know, herd management. But I mean, the experience and the ability to like take that meat home and know that you had 100% full part in it, like that, that is so much more powerful than the size of the horns on the wall. Yeah, it's, I, I agree. It's, uh, you know, and I, I guess I would, the way I label myself is, you know, is, uh, you know, is, 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 you know, I, I tell people, you know, yeah, I, uh, I enjoy the sport of hunting. Um, the, you know, the, I guess the, you know, I, during bow season, elk season's a perfect example. I, I pass on a ton of small bulls and, you know, uh, smaller elk and, and it's not because I'm a trophy hunter per se, but it's because I love being out there so much that I want to spend as much time out there as I can. And, and, you know, and, and I have, I go out there with the goal of, of killing a mature animal. And mm -hmm. if, uh, you know, I go through that bow season and I see, you know, 50 different elk or have the opportunities on 50 different elk and, and I don't end up, uh, getting home with my bow then once it switches to rifle season um it's there's there's no trophy mindset whatsoever at that point it's all about uh filling that freezer you know because then the times time's getting limited you know and that's the number one goal when you know when i start out so um so you know i would be i would be lying to say that you know it's 100 percent about the meat for me because it's not it's about the sport for me as well and the you know the passion for the outdoors and being around those animals and just spending that time out there as well you know absolutely man so let's let's get into some culinary magic here what is the preferred way in your opinion to prepare like uh you know these lean cuts of meat because i mean like you know i eat, I eat a lot of beef uh I, I eat a lot of venison i eat a lot of meat that i kill but i don't eat 100 percent of everything i kill as far as like i mean i eat I totally just butchered that sentence. I eat 100% of what I kill, but what I eat is not always what I kill. I eat a lot of beef as well. Um, and yeah. ribeyes, like fatty beef, you know, like there's a lot of flavor there. And there's a lot of flavor in super lean wild game cuts as well. But you, it's just a totally different kind of flavor. Like you can super easily overcook venison and elk. Like you leave it on there just a little bit too long and you're eating boot leather. So what do you do to like, yeah. what, what's your go-to 
cooking methods? Um, if I was going to tell you one thing with wild game, you know, is, uh, is I'll, I'll kind of start this off with a story, you know, growing up, um, you know, we, we have a ton of antelope in, in Wyoming and, you know, growing up, I always remember, you know, going out antelope hunting with my dad and, and my dad would, you know, harvest an antelope and, and, uh, I just remember him cooking it. And I always just could not stand the taste of antelope and you'll, and you'll hear that from a lot of people. And, uh, so I, I actually never even hunted antelope until about five years ago because, you know, I just did not really like the flavor of it growing up. So I had no reason to hunt them, you know, mm-hmm. and about five years ago, one of my good buddies, um, he's like, how can you not like antelope? You know, let me, let me cook you a steak and, and you can't tell me you won't like it. And, and he cooked up a backstrap off of an antelope and it was honestly, I can tell you today that I think I like antelope more than I like elk or deer and really? it's all about preparation. So, you know, my dad would, uh, you know, butter, uh, you know, lather it up in flour and, and put some oil in a pan and then fry it in a pan and, and till it was, you know, like you said, boot leather, you know, and then by doing that, you just bring out all that really gamey flavor and you cook all the, you know, the good stuff out of the meat that way. So I found with, with all wild game, um, you know, I don't, I basically, I'm a salt and pepper kind of guy, um, 90% of the time, but the key to cooking big game is, is you get a cast iron pan and you get that thing as raging hot as you can possibly get it. And, you know, if you're cutting your, your steaks at, you know, roughly three quarters of an inch or, you know, in that range, it's, two minutes per side on the hottest thing you can put them on and, and, uh, you're, you're done. <laughs> yeah. That's the I way mean, to do it, man. It's, it's not, it's not, it can't be, you know, you're, you don't have to worry about the rareness of wild game. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, but if you overcook it, you're, it's just, it's going to, that's where you're going to get all that gamey flavor. So do you marinate them at all? Or you just put them right on there? Um, I do marinate sometimes, um, as far as like back straps and steak cuts and things like that. Usually I'm just, uh, salt and pepper and, uh, yeah, just, I'll put a, I'll brush on a little bit of, uh, um, olive oil and, uh, season them up and then just basically sear them on both sides for a couple of minutes. So, yeah, can't go wrong with that, man. Super simple. It's funny. I used to do all kinds of crazy cooking with like seasonings and marinade and all that stuff. Now I just salt and pepper. That's all you need. If you got good quality yep. meat, that's all you need. <laughs> it's all about how you cook it. So hundred percent. So talk about elevated athletes, man. What what's the the long term picture and vision for that? So yeah, I started elevated athletes um, last year, I guess, and uh, just with this uh, kind of you know, I guess vision wise, I'm still in the works. But uh, yeah, we we've, we've got nine team members, um, including myself, and uh, basically. Um, they're you know half of us are veterans and um we're all you know full-time workers and stuff too but we all have a you know a passion for hunting a passion for the outdoors uh we do a lot of uh filming and photography Uh, we're getting to a point now where we're you know getting enough film put together that i'm actually going to be i'm in the process right now of starting to you know edit and put together some you know some really uh some good films that uh that we can put on a YouTube channel and things like that. But kind of our goal with, uh, elevated athletes is, um, is kind of bringing the, you know, the fitness and nutrition, you know, into the, the hunting world a little bit. And, uh, I guess, you know, the, 
um website we, we uh we're building a website right now it's actually going to be up just in the next day or two but uh i'm just now starting to get into uh some personal coaching and uh you know nutrition stuff with uh with hunters as well um i, I try to do most of the the keto coaching and uh kind of that realm of things and then um one of my other teammates you know kind of follows uh you know more standard like complex carbs and you know the old school bodybuilding diets and you know we've got a kind of a variation of of uh of trainers to where you know we're uh we can kind of adapt to you know to whoever our client is and and what they're comfortable uh with you know lifestyle wise so that's going to be launching uh in the next couple of days that's going to be uh, elevated athletes.com and uh kind of one of our big things is um you know, is through our film and through our photography and, uh, you know, some of the things we were talking about earlier, it's like, I want to put a real perspective on what hunting is to us and what hunting truly is. You know, it's like, you know, we'll never be those people that, you know, get a kill shot on camera and then spend four days making up some fake, you know, hunt to just to sell a, a video. Um, yeah. we want to, we do a lot of solo filming. Um, I've solo filmed for four years. It's, uh, I want people to be able to go to our page and, and, you know, truly look at it as a, almost an instructional video, you know, um, you know, say, you know, know that it's a hundred percent real. It's a hundred percent raw, uh, footage that's, um, been put together to, to kind of, you know, emulate what a true experience is so that, you know, more people from the East and more people that, you know, uh, haven't experienced this can, you know, can, uh, say, Hey, I watched these guys' video and, you know, they showed me everything that needs to be in my pack and what I need to consider and, you know, what kind of shape I need to be in and, and, you know, just all the elements that go into, you know, to making a hunt happen. And I want to give, you know, give somebody that's, that's never done it before that confidence to go out and try it and, and make sure that it's, that we're giving them real information, you know? <laughs> I love it, man. I feel like that, I feel like there's a huge market for that. I feel like people, I feel like people want to know how to do this stuff. They just don't know. I mean, there's not like a defined resource for them to go to learn how to do it. Like they don't even know where to dip their toe in it. So I feel like there's a, there's a big demand for that. Um, and it'd be super, I mean, I, I love the fact that you're making it real and raw, you know, like, doing the solo filming and while you're on the hunt and just having like all the details laid out and just showing it how it is instead of making it all glamorized. I think that's a hundred percent the way to do it. Um, it's funny. We got reality TV shows these days and it's just total nonsense lies. Man, the same is true with a lot of these, you know, really popular hunting shows. Like I didn't, I didn't really ever think about it, but I guess that's what they do, right? They have this kill shot on video and they just kind of rewind from there to make it a cool story. That was pretty typical. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's typical, but I would say, uh, there's a, a definitely a lot of, of, uh, of films like that. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, of people that that's how they operate and, you know, cause I mean, when it comes down to it for a lot of those companies, it's, that's what it's about. It's about the TV show. It's not about, you know, necessarily teaching somebody how to hunt, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, kind of one of our, you know, I guess the way I look at things is, you know, is I don't. I don't care how many followers I have. I don't care, um, you know, I guess how many people I'm influencing. It's just the people that I do influence and the people that do follow me. I want to have, um, 
you know, have a good experience and have, you know, um, a realistic expectation of, of what they're watching, you know. Mm-hmm. 100%. I'm super excited about it, man. I'm, you and I have been talking for quite some time. You bounced some ideas off me business-wise, and I'm super excited for Elevated Athletes to, to launch. I'm super excited for what it can become. I mean, if there's ever anything I can do to help in any way, man, just shoot, give me a call. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, just one thing I wanted to touch on, too, as far as uh, we just started, uh, you know, putting together some apparel and, um, you know, we're a dealer for some companies that we use as well. But um, with our apparel line um, and a lot of our profits from uh, some of these products, we're, uh, you know, touching back on getting, you know, the conservation stuff, you know, we're doing uh, 30% of all of our profits um, is going towards um, some youth introduction programs. And uh, uh, like I said, some hunting opportunities for youth hunters. And um, so, yeah, we're trying to, you know, we're not trying to make a killing off of this stuff. We're just trying to keep the lights on and, and get some kids outside with their parents and, and uh, you know, introduce some, you know, some future conservation, you know, so. I love it, man. Well, tell you what, let's 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 try and you know intertwine what's what we got here at our disposal. I mean, let's let's do like a like Keto Savage will sponsor a elevated athlete hunt at at my farm or something. You know, like we'll we'll get a bunch of y'all's group and some kids or something. We'll go out to the farm, spend a weekend out there, go fishing, go hunting, do whatever you want to do. Yeah, that would that would be awesome, man. Well, we would uh, yeah, it. we would definitely take you up on that. So. Hundred percent, man. Well, let's uh, let's let's definitely make something happen, man. I think this this could be a really good thing for a lot of people, and it's just it's just there's nothing like experiencing things for the first time. Like as you get older, there's so few firsts. I mean, you should always pursue more firsts, but being able to expose kids to something that they've never done before and seeing like the excitement in their eyes and that their eyes like light up when they do something for the first time, especially something as like you know, transformative as hunting, you know, harvesting your first deer, processing and eating it. I mean, that is, that is one of the most fulfilling things you could possibly do. So anything I could do to help move that needle forward, man, um, count, count me in. I appreciate that. And yeah, that's, that's kind of what we're shooting for, you know, with, uh, with these youth hunts is, uh, you know, is kind of basing, you know, that, that experience off of, uh, what, you know, what the kid wants and, uh, and, you know, if that, is uh spending a day at the range um learning you know a little bit more um you know weaponry you know tactics things like that um and then you know actually the actual hunt but then if they're interested you know spend a day uh afterwards and teach them how to process that animal you know 100 mm-hmm. percent. so that's kind of what we're looking for and um you know i think kids are you know definitely a uh you know the decline in 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 the youth um in the hunting realm is definitely uh you know pretty significant right now and um but as we all know you know kids have a lot of uh you know guidance from their parents as well so you know we want to get we want to get the parents involved uh you know we want to get the adults involved as well just because you know that's how you're gonna i guess keep the kids involved you know more than just one hunting trip so absolutely man let's let's definitely reverse that yeah i mean if i could you know give any advice as far as uh you know you know, you know, you're doing it already with, you know, with your farm and, you know, and taking people out there and introducing them to hunting. But, you know, it's just, you know, we got to start thinking of a little bit outside the box on this, you know, is, uh, you know, just start investing time in people that, that don't look like you, you know, um, you know, it's just, 
you know, kind of target some of those people that, you know, aren't necessarily a hunter or had anything to do with it and just, you know, gauge their interest and, and just kind of like what you're doing. And cause there's a lot of people out there that would love to, to hunt and, and be able to, you know, uh, harvest their own meat and things like that. But it's a, uh, it's kind of a demographically there's, you know, some different worlds out there. And um, I think we can all do our part to, you know, kind of spend time and promote some of this stuff with each other and, and, you know, get some people out in the field that, you know, aren't necessarily uh, fall under that hunter image, I guess. So, 100%, man. I mean, shoot, like using Danny again as an example. I mean, we went hunting for the first time and he showed up in like a full blown, like navy blue Nike windbreaker suit, you know, <laughs> like totally not the hunter look, but he, yeah, he like- appreciated that more so than any hunter I've ever hunted with in the past before. So, I, I yeah. appreciate it. It's just, I don't know. You can't, you can't put people in a box, like just open oh, that absolutely. opportunity up and let's see where it goes. Yep. Absolutely. I think that's just something that's, uh, you know, that we just have to break through as, you know, in, in the hunting world as, as, uh, you know, as, if we're going to save the, save the sport and as, you know, save the, the animals in the long run, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. totally. I love it, man. There are, some, uh, there are some actual, uh, you know, organizations in different places. I know, uh, you know, down in kind of your neck of the woods, I know uh, there was a program that started in Atlanta. I think it was called Field the Fork. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I don't know if you're familiar with that, but they kind of teach, you know, uh, urbanites and, and people that don't haven't really uh, been around, you know, hunting and things like that. You know, they kind of teach them how to hunt, you know, in classes and things like that. And then, uh, you know, there's there's a handful of states out there that have learned to hunt programs and things like that so you know if you have listeners that you know want to go out and you know harvest their own meat and 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 learn how to do it they can uh definitely contact me and i can uh um definitely try to shoot them towards the right resource and and help them in any way and um but also you know maybe put them in touch with programs in their communities that that can help them too so yeah i'll I'll link out some of those i'll link out to your site for sure and uh, let's keep the conversation going, man. I'm 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 looking forward to our hunt in Nebraska, uh, but let's let's definitely let's definitely see what we can do with this going forward for sure. Awesome, man. I appreciate you. Well, Brad, pleasure as always, man. Keep killing it. Keep staying fit, and uh, just keep doing what you're doing, man. You're making an impact for sure. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's a it's a daily grind, and um, yeah, hope to hope to make a difference. And even if it's only a few people, it, it still matters to me. So. 100% man it does it does you're making a difference so keep doing what you're doing because you're doing it right well thank you take care brother yeah take care Robert